This is Aaron Lolito here to introduce our second podcast interview, which is a conversation with a writer named Erica Avey. She's had quite an interesting path so far, and she's able to share a bit of it with us. And if you look at our website, there's going to be a link to her website, ericaavey.com. And that's where you can see her social media, her Instagram, Twitter and some of her links to articles she's written. Um, she's been published in such places as Medium, Symposia, and Psychedelic Press UK. So there's uh, three or four articles, and I, I highly recommend uh, that you check some of those out, especially um, if you are interested in uh, the psychedelic world. I came across Erica's writing and her creative writing, actually, in the website called The Closed Eye Open, and their current issue features a series of her short poems that's titled Poems for Pedro, and I've added a link to this issue also, so you can check that one out, too. In addition, uh, there's actually some great reading recommendations in maybe the second half of this conversation. So uh, you'll have a few items to add to your reading list after uh, after you listen to us here. And it's also worth mentioning that Erica is starting a new publication, which is called Spectra Poets, that's uh, yet to be released. So it's something to look forward to in 2021. But you can look up at Spectra Poets on Instagram. There's an Instagram account up. And just to let you know, there's no posts yet, um, but I'm sure she would appreciate uh, if you want to follow it, if you if you are interested in uh, that publication and what she is able to share with us in this interview, feel free to, to follow that account. And when there is news to post, um, that just makes it uh, kind of easier to get the word out. Uh, and there's plans for uh, the first issue coming out in 2021. And just on a side note, I'm planning to release one of these episodes every month. So this one will be posted in December. Um, So you can check back to our website in the future uh, to uh, get more, starting in January. Um, January, oddly enough, will be when our uh, next issue, issue six, will be released as well. So that'll be part of our uh, our upcoming issue. Uh, In addition, you could follow us at Wild Roof Journal on Instagram and get the updates. Uh, we typically feature uh, artists on our Instagram account. You'll get the updates for uh, when our issues are released and even uh, some of these uh, upcoming interviews that will be coming out. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'll talk to you later. So, yeah, the first thing that I uh, wanted to touch on is maybe to get a little bit about your your background as a writer. Um, the kind of my stock question as an opener is maybe even a formative experience that you've had um, that maybe that you remember that's uh, especially important. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I think it started with an obsession with music lyrics starting when I was, I don't know, in elementary school. I just, I've loved, music has been a big part of my life. And um, 
I would memorize the lyrics. It felt like my brain at a young age was just all lyrics. So that was definitely my introduction to loving words in poetry. Um, and in college, I was, I would have to say in high school and college, I was a bit of a bad girl. I didn't, uh, I wasn't very studious. I was mostly skipping class and taking drugs and um, smoking a lot of weed with friends. So I can't say that I was reading or writing a lot in school. Um, but after school, I went into marketing actually and um, was doing content writing for um, Ticketfly, which is a ticketing company for independent venues and larger festivals like Burning Man. Um, so I was managing their content, writing all their newsletters and started actually writing in a very um, sterile marketing sense. Um, and then started writing also for a female health company called Clue and really loved writing for, for work and those, those jobs. But um, it was kind of outside of those jobs that I started realizing that like I needed to be writing for myself as well. And I was just journaling a lot and always writing a lot of poems from my early twenties. Um, so it actually started in a very, um, yeah, career-based way um, because I studied marketing in, in college and um, now I'm pretty far outside of marketing and doing more journalism and poetry. Sure, nice. I, uh, I remember loving music myself, especially um, in, the, in the adolescent years and growing up. Was there anything in particular that you remember that was uh, an influence? Yeah, so my dad would sing to us every night before bed, even as I was a baby. And he loved The Doors and Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and um, The Who. So I remember him singing to us Riders on the Storm as a really, and there was another one I'm forgetting now that he were like regular songs, like bedtime lullabies. Um, so I, I grew up listening to a lot of his music from the 60s and 70s and I just, I was so close to my dad growing up that I just wanted to know all the music he grew up with. So it was kind of downloaded into my brain from a very young age. And um, then in high school and middle school, I started listening to a lot of hip hop and rap. And I just like loved how intelligent the poetry was of a lot of music I was listening to later on on my own as well. Um, sure. I, one of the th things that struck me I mean, maybe only a couple of years ago, uh, I had the thought of like how much music lyrics, like you mentioned, kind of uh, shapes and may probably even my tastes in, in literature and like even poems or short stories, just in the sense of like how evocative a song could be in the lyrics and how little you get, but how much you can get out of it or how, how much pathos can be built into um, something where you only get a, a couple of pieces of uh, maybe a person's story or um, yeah. a couple of references. I, I tend to like poems or, or stories that are kind of similar in that way. Yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting connection. Yeah, definitely. Are there any certain maybe types of experiences you tend to draw on for your, your more creative writing and your poetry? Um. Yes, definitely. So I lived abroad for five years. Um, and that experience of being outside of the US and kind of getting outside of 
where I originated and grew up, um, that totally altered the way I see the world and the way I perceive everything. So living abroad definitely impacted my writing. And um, love, I've been heartbroken a few times. That's definitely in there as well. And um, psychedelics too, for sure. Um, psychedelic experiences and just just general exploration of consciousness, whether it be a trip abroad, whether it be a trip using DMT in my room or um, falling in or out of love. Those are the main, the main three, I'd say. Yeah, and that it connects to uh, how I became familiar with you in a way. Um, and I will put a link to the, uh, the Closed Eye Open uh, publication and you had a poem selected that's in their most recent issue. Um, so there'll be a link on our page uh, to that publication. Um, but yeah, that was, that was uh, how I kind of got familiar with you from that. And uh, that poem specifically, I believe the title was Poem for San Pedro. Yeah, it was Poems, poems for Pedro. And okay. um, I, yeah, I took San Pedro and had a really wonderful, odd, beautiful day and wrote a bunch of poems and I, I really wish I could someday share the original notebook um, because the way I was writing, like the curly, curly cues of the letters and everything is just very psychedelic and um, I love it. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great experience. So those poems, yeah, they seem to be kind of straight from that, from the substance itself. And also I was going through a heartbreak, um, heartbreak at the time. So it was just a lot happening, but. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be interesting to actually have it more as like a visual piece to actually see the, the notebook page. Yeah. Um, and I, I tend to like that idea myself, even, uh, even just as a way of maybe brainstorming or writing. Sometimes yeah. I'll just, just literally just draw a circle in my notebook page and, and write a, a bunch of things maybe over the course of a week, like outside of the circle. And yeah. I'll put pieces together in this. So it's just a way to like more visualize what is essentially some random things or uh, random words and phrases that I might come across. Yeah. Um, but point is, yeah, that the actual visual nature of a, a notebook page is is might be a kind of a cool idea for uh, a future future project. There's something really raw about it, and I am I'm hoping. So I'm working on Spectra Poets' yeah. poetry journal, and I'm hoping at some point to potentially have a few highlighted poets in each journal and having them handwrite the poems. It's, there's something about that. And also just, I mean, you don't often see into people's journals. So it's just, it is very um, intimate and there's something kind of eerie about it. Like you're seeing directly into someone's, I mean, when you're reading someone's writing, you are seeing directly into their mind, but when you're seeing how it actually came pen to paper it's, it's beautiful yeah and there's something maybe intuitive about it too where obviously the, the finished piece of maybe a, a poem let's say should go probably go through some revisions and should, the, the writer should take take care on for what you know what you're dealing with the house and all that stuff um but it is that that reminder of like Sometimes you, you find those happy accidents um, when you're, you don't expect to, you know, put things together in a certain way, but it just happens. Yeah. Um, so there is that kind of intuitive nature of a notebook too that you might not 
when you're writing it, or you might not plan for it to be uh, maybe a piece of art that gets published or something like that. But looking back, it could you know be placed in a different context. So that's kind of a cool concept. Hmm, I do want to touch on the, the spectra thing, but maybe we'll save that for a little bit later. I did notice you, you were profiled in uh, the Guardian and maybe another piece. Um, so I, I was just curious, or how, how did your story in particular get kind of a high profile um, in the sense of like you, you were part of a, a larger article in Old Guardian and maybe Psychology Today? Yeah. So I mean, how, did that, how did that happen? I, so I wrote about microdosing when I started experimenting with that a few years ago in 2017. And my article, I think it was just partly luck and um, my article just got great SEO. So anytime you would search microdosing, my experience would come up in the first page of results. So um, that's pretty much why. And I just had journalists reaching out to me who were doing research and trying to talk to people microdosing and it, it just all kind of fell into place. Um, yeah, that was an interesting time. <laughs> right. Were you happy that, I mean, were, were you happy with how that kind of turned out? Because it wasn't a piece you wrote, just to be clear. It was just kind of something that um, your story was a part of a larger article. So, I mean, what was it, did that turn out to be beneficial for you? Yeah. Um, hmm. I think it was, I think I was happy with, with that because, um, a few years ago, microdosing was super helpful to me. And I did want, I think it became part of this larger trend around like self-improvement that got a bit, kind of felt a bit icky. Um, but I do think any conversations that are normalizing um, certain psychedelic use when just showing that like, this isn't, this isn't the scariest, worst, most gnarly thing we could be experimenting with. I think that that is beneficial. Um, personally for me, it didn't, um, I didn't get too much out of it. Um, I, but I, but I do think the larger, what it did for the larger, um, conversation about psychedelics was probably beneficial, even if in a small way, some good ripples probably came of it. So. Sure. That was one of the things I found interesting about some of your, some of your own writing, some of the, the articles you've done, I kind of had the sense, or maybe it was specifically stated that maybe there, there was a tension and you used the word icky so that's what triggered uh, my, my memory of it but there was kind of a uh, maybe more trend for that productive productive use you know so it's kind of tied to the productivity idea yeah uh, and that obviously became a, a slightly more accepted in certain yeah. circles yeah um, versus maybe the more personal self-development experimental use yeah so I I used microdosing mostly for mood balancing but when I was using it at work it made me very aware of the office environment and certain dynamics in the office that weren't um, the, the healthiest so it made me a bit hypercritical of my surroundings and just the way the environment I was in was working and so I don't I think the whole narrative around using psychedelics to like boost your career um, kind of level up. I, I, I think it can make you a bit more cynical than that in some ways that might not actually be very helpful. Um, it, yeah, especially I'm, I'm in San Francisco and like in the tech scene, um, I've, I've seen the use there. And I do think that it's, I think if you're, if you're actually 
diving into these substances and really experimenting um, with smaller and larger doses, then I think you're actually going to maybe start questioning um, the way that you're living, the way that you're working, what you're actually contributing. Um, so that's where I started getting into this spiral of like, what is all this talk about using this to optimize yourself when the environment and the systems we're in probably need to be optimized um, as well. Uh, yeah, that's interesting in itself, yeah. yeah. And I think that was, it sounds like it was more of an, maybe it was more of an intentional positioning as far as you're obviously not opposed or not overly skeptical of these experiences because you have certain benefits from them and probably just have an interest in it, um, but not over advocating, which I think could be an, another trap. Yes, I think uh, initially I was probably more of an advocate and now I'm a bit, um, a bit more skeptical. I, I still think these substances are incredible and I, I don't judge anyone's use on use of them. Um, but uh, I wrote an article recently that was in Symposia about, um, so basically the found, one of the founders of, um, what is it, um, Extinction Rebellion in the UK, she was calling for psychedelic civil disobedience. And she basically put out there saying, everyone should take psychedelics and the world will be a better place. And I just commented on that and did some research and I mean, a lot of people do psychedelics and still stay in their same ways of being. And um, for example, a lot of neo-Nazis love psychedelics. Um, a lot of people take psychedelics and confirm their own beliefs and they don't really break out of their patterns. So to, I think it can easily get into the realm of idealism. And um, I definitely am not an evangelist anymore, <laughs> but I still think they're great. I still think they're very powerful medicines. So I'm. I'm still positive about them. And I, they still give me hope that um, some good will come from more people using them, but I'm definitely not, I don't think they're gonna save humanity or the world. Right, absolutely, yeah. Thanks for uh, for clarifying. That's, I did come across that, um, I don't know when, how long ago it was that you mentioned the Extinction Rebellion thing. It was probably within the last year, right? Yeah, it was about a year um, ago, yeah. Yeah, and that, I guess, yeah, exactly, you have to, kind of take some form of a middle path, I think, because it obviously can be a great way to shift consciousness, but it, I guess it's, you know, it probably is harmful to see it as a quick fix, okay. but it's as maybe a shortcut. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, that was, that was an interesting kind of offshoot. We don't wanna to spend too much time on psychedelics, I guess, but, um, I see all those books behind you, and one of, one of the questions I like I like to ask, because um, our the Wild Roof Journal, one of the one of the things that uh, is kind of an emphasis is that it shares both visual artists and and written work. So I tend to ask the the writers if they had any have any favorite visual artists, uh, and the artists if they have any favorite writers. But I guess. Uh, since I see all the books, maybe you could, uh, if, if you have a recommendation or any any particular favorites. Yeah, um, recently I've been reading a lot of Clarice Lispector and she's from Brazil and um, incredible. Uh, the way she wrote just completely changed my perspective on like what's possible. Um, she's very, her writing is very ethereal and bizarre and um, stream of consciousness just 
it, it, it's incredible. Um, so I would say she's my favorite writer. Okay, um, I'm, I'm not familiar with her. What's, uh, can you say the name again? Clarice Lispector. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say Agua Viva is one of her most famous works, but my favorite and what she would consider, I think her favorite is this book called The Passion According to GH. Um, just bizarre and very um, divine. And it just, yeah, she's, so, some, some of the Brazilian writers from the last 100 years are, are now some of my favorites. There's also um, Hilda Hills, uh, Hilda Hit, how, how do you say her name? Hilda Hilst, where is her book? I have, I have a bunch in front of me right now as well. Oh yeah, um, Hilda Hilst, she's also a great writer. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's so many, it's really hard to say. Uh, also some of the, the Portuguese writers, um, Paseo and um, Saramago. Um, I recently was married to a, a guy from Colombia. So he really opened my eyes to a lot of the um, South American writers. And then also um, the writers from, uh, some writers from Spain and Portugal. Um, I realized that I hadn't read any writers from South America and yeah, I mean, there's so many, it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of yeah. even overwhelming. Um, those are some good recommendations. Yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with those writers, so that would be. Yeah, I mean, Clarice is incredible. Um, when I was in Mexico City recently, I walked by a cafe that was called Lispector Lis Literary Cafe, Literature Cafe, and um, I just walked in there and it was it was it was so cool that they had a cafe for her because I think in South America she's considered one of the or Central and South America she's considered one of the the greats. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, there's just, uh, there's too much to read. Have you, have you found that as well? Because I, um, I got a little bit overwhelmed even just yesterday doing a little bit of searching on what I wanted to read next. I know. It's <laughs> really overwhelming. I don't even know what I'm going to read next. Um, I'd say I've probably read, and I have a bunch more books in my bedroom. I probably have read only like a third to 40% of the books that I have. So I always have all these options, but I just, it's overwhelming. It really is. Um, I've been reading a lot of poetry this year because 2020, my attention span is very, very impacted. So poetry and the white space of poetry has been a bit more accessible this year for me. Um, I was reading Demons by Dostoevsky and I got like 300 pages in and I've kind of hit a wall and um, I love it. It's a great book, but I'm, my attention span this year is shot yeah i think there is something to that it's just the other uh, i kind of tending to um to not seek out the the more dense um even novels i haven't read a novel <laughs> in quite well, a bit in, in, in too long and that's usually my uh probably the, the favorite type of reading that i do um even just for for leisure reading yeah. and yeah so i think you're you might be onto something a little bit more not so dense in terms of concept but just the um just a little bit more more manageable yeah what nonfiction have you been reading um non you know what i'm in the middle of and it's it's been on my shelf probably for 20 years is uh howard zinn's the people's history of the united states okay um so I, I probably read a couple chapters here and there over the years, but I've never made my way all the way through it. So I was just uh, reading that a little bit this morning. And um, 
the other one I was looking into actually, I just looked it up yesterday. It's called the immortality key. It's, yes. it's a new one. Yes, I have it and I want to read it. Okay. So that looks, that looks pretty fascinating in its own. So I want to get that. Yeah. I, I really look forward to reading that. I mean, I listened to his podcast. He was on Joe Rogan. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah. He, he was on there with, um, who was the other guy who wrote Supernatural in America before? Oh, Graham Hancock. Yeah, Graham Hancock and um, I'm forgetting the name of the author of Immortality Key, but they were both on and it was a fascinating interview. I mean, just just hearing about ancient Greece and the psychedelic use. I've heard about it before, but it seems like he he's really done a deep, deep dive. Right. And that's, yeah, uh, the, uh, the Eleusinian Mysteries, I think, is his main focus, if I, if I yes. gather my info correctly. Um, but yeah, he, it definitely was was fairly, very heavily researched. Yeah, yeah. I think reading history right now feels really appropriate because the present moment is a bit hectic that I think it's good to get like a wider context or just to go back in time as if it feels, it feels wise right now. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe that was a, an intuitive move on my part to, to go back a little bit. Um, yeah, well, those are yeah great recommendations. I'm glad, uh, glad I got a couple more to add to the list. Um, let's see. Oh, the, well, that's a good kind of transition into, um, you mentioned your own upcoming publication, uh, Spectra. Yes. And what was the kind of the genesis of that or what was the motivation to, to start that concept? Yeah. So I guess, what is the concept, I guess, first of all? Yeah. What was the motivation? Yeah. Okay. So the initial inspiration behind it. So my mom has a really good friend whose daughter is in her early 20s and she's severely autistic and she's not able to communicate verbally, but she writes poetry as her means of communication. Um, and she just started writing poetry in the last couple of years. And for if you can imagine having a daughter who didn't speak to you for 20 years and then just started busting out poetry, it's um, there's something incredible about that. So that was the initial inspiration was finding out that there's a lot of these autistic writers who can't speak but can write. And I was I was thinking, oh wow, I want to provide a journal for them, or I want to provide a platform to um, get their writing out there and have more people reading what they're what's going on in their their minds because it's so hard for them to connect with the outer world. But then I started thinking more and more and more about it and talking to more and more people about it. And it kind of moved beyond just the autism spectrum into other spectra. Um, so some people are third culture kids and don't really fit in in a certain way. And um, I, I decided that it will be even cooler for the autistic writers to be featured for their writing and not just for their autism. So I decided rather than having a journal just for autistic writers, it's a journal for anyone on any sort of spectra. Um, kind of, I, I guess a way to say it would be um, kind of for mis not misfits. I don't know if that's a good word for it, but like anyone who has a hard time connecting, whether it's with themselves or with the outside world, um, this is a platform to get those inner voices out. Um, so it's called Spectra and the idea is that it's, um, anyone can pretty much be published in it but I do want to use some back channels to just reach out to the autism community and say like, Hey, this is a platform where like your poetry is welcome and you can submit. And, um, I definitely want to 
prior, not prioritize, because I, I really want it to be um, for anyone to publish and get their poetry out there. I want it, I want it to be more about the poetry than the identity of the people. Um, I think it's really cool to provide certain platforms for people of certain identities, but I, I do think that focusing too much on the identity could limit it in some ways. So um, I want to make it more about the poetry and the, the words and the feelings and getting those out. So that's the general concept and I'm working on the branding and the website and everything right now. So I'm hoping in about within the next year, 2021, I'll have the first issue out, I hope. Nice. So um, at the moment, uh, there's not quite a website yet, but it, you know, no, you have a personal website, but not. Yeah, uh, there's an Instagram. It's just okay. Spectre Poets, and okay. I'm going to be posting there. And um, the website will be spectrepoets.org. I have the URL or the domain, but I'm just, um, yeah, working on the, the website. Okay, nice. And uh, yeah, yeah, it should be. Yeah. Done. And yeah, I do. That's, that's a cool concept in itself. I mean, because there's a, there's a lot of publications that that do poetry and and stuff like that. But I think that's a good concept to get maybe somebody who wouldn't maybe normally seek out publication. Yes. Um, but who might have good poems, you know? So yeah, I think there's a there's something. I think you're you're onto something there. And uh, the other thing, oh yeah, is it going to be? Uh, are you venturing into the the print territory? Do you they think you want to do a print publication? Yes, I'm. I'm a print nerd. I love print, and I'm always collecting publications and magazines and just little zines. So I definitely will have a print edition, but I also will have online poems. But focusing on the print, although I'm yeah. I'm gonna see how it goes with the first few issues because I, I don't know do people buy magazines anymore do people do people actually do that or am I just this in this really strange niche of nerds who love print I don't know <laughs> yeah I think, uh, they're out there I I know that for a fact but yeah there there definitely is uh, something nice to have tangible I mean I, there's 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 lots of people who would uh, be interested in that for sure. I think that's good. Other than that, do you have any other uh, projects or things to to mention? Um, hmm. I'm working on another article right now that will be going out most likely in Psychedelic Press UK, another psychedelic-related article um, linking to female health and the menstrual cycle. It's a very nerdy tangent there, but um, super interesting. And it's, um, yeah, that's that's about it. I'm going back to Mexico City in a few days because I fell in love and it feels pretty safe COVID-wise, actually, which was interesting to see. Um, but it, so when I went to Berlin many years ago, I instantly fell in love with the city. And as I was leaving, I decided I would need to be back quite soon. Um, and the same thing is happening now with me in Mexico City. So it's like I have this new relationship with the city and we'll probably be going back and forth between San Francisco and there. So just spending time there and kind of getting to know, working on my Spanish. Um, yeah, trying to get, I, I just want to survive 2020. <laughs> I just want 2021 to be here. Sure, yeah, and you might, you might get some uh, inspiration for some new poems yes. while you're there. So that, that should be. Always writing, I'm always writing. There's always like the back current of things being written, even if it's total junk. Yeah, I guess that's the, uh, that's, that's the method. You got to get it out. Yeah. Um, and, and figure out what's good later. Uh, but that, yeah, that's 
That sounds that sounds good. Um, thanks again for for joining me today. Um, so I'll definitely mention you, you know your website and uh, some of your articles maybe that we referred to at the beginning. So yeah. everybody will be able to check those out as long as uh, as well as the closed eye open. Cool. And so yeah. So thanks. Thank you, Aaron. Have a good one.